Dume moji, dume moji, lecho meni zvame. It seems like nowadays, our thoughts consume us, and they don't tend to be happy ones. With discussions of being immersed in a third wave of the pandemic more than a year into it, I constantly feel like that light at the end of the tunnel is getting further and further away. I think about the last time I got to see my friends and distant family, the last time I got to travel, the last Zabavo or festival I went to, as well as what could have been if the pandemic hadn't happened. It can't be a moment of regret since the pandemic was out of our control. It is, however, a moment of sorrow, similar to how Shevchenko was feeling in putting together his poem. It is difficult to stay optimistic for the future despite the ongoing vaccine administration, especially since we don't know when we'll be able to even get vaccinated. Beyond that, we question what our lives will look like. What will that new, new normal be? These thoughts are that which consume us, and they evidently aren't happy ones. Student Voice, Holo Studenta, Voix d'étudiant, a podcast presented by Sosk. Episode 7, Why Should We Care About Shevchenko? Welcome, Vitaimo, and bienvenue to the Ukrainian-Canadian Students' Union, or SUSK's, seventh podcast episode, an ode to the great Ukrainian poets and artists. I'm your host, Alexandra Holick. My apologies for the dark start there. The weather is warm and we should be happy to go outside in our backyards. But there's only so much serotonin we can get from that. The reality is that the farthest we'll be able to go is our backyard until it's safe enough to return to some normalcy. Speaking of looking back on the good and nostalgic times, the month of March was always an exciting time for me growing up. Aside from the lovely spring weather, it was also a month filled with concerts, Taras Shevchenko concerts in particular. But after graduating from elementary school and then Ukrainian school, I didn't hear about Shevchenko as often as I used to. It seemed as though once you moved outside the Ukrainian academic community, you didn't hear about Ukraine's greatest writers, poets, or artists. In my experience, yes, I stayed in the Ukrainian community after graduating from high school, and I continue to be a part of it. But March comes and goes without any notable dedication to Shevchenko in the post-secondary students club realm. March also marks midterm season, so I can understand why students might not be paying attention to the poet they commemorated so many years ago. But even if we don't put on our own Taras Shevchenko concert nowadays, it's important for us as Ukrainian students living in Canada to indulge in our culture's literary history. To speak more on this and the importance of remembering Taras Shevchenko, as well as other icons of Ukrainian literature and culture, here is retired professor Miroslav Shkandri, who most recently worked at the University of Manitoba. Привіт, пане Мирославе, і дякую за нагоду поговорити з вами сьогодні. Привіт, дякую вам. Прошу представтися нашим глядачам та слухачам і розкажіть трохи про вашу роботу. Я називаюся Мирослав Шкандрій, і я багато років був професором при Манітопському університеті. Я сам з Англії, закінчив університет в Англії, а потім на докторську програму приїхав в Торонто. Я вже викладав 
фактично україністику або словістику я викладав вже 40 років в різних університетах, але найдовше в Манітопському університеті в Вінніпезі. As we're wrapping up the month of March, which is typically known in the Ukrainian community as the month we commemorate the great Taras Grigorovich Shevchenko, we often look back on the impact Shevchenko had and continues to have on the Ukrainian community and diaspora. Could you share with our audience members a bit about what that impact is and how it's lasted so long? Well, it's been huge. Um, Shevchenko is uh, enormous, not just for the diaspora or emigre communities, uh, but for Ukraine itself. I, I believe that of all the poets and literary figures in the world, Shevchenko has the most statues around the globe. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, emigre, diaspora communities used Shevchenko as a gathering, as a symbol, a gathering point. Uh, they left statues, they left... Uh, uh, memorials to him wherever they went. Um, so he, he's symbolic. He is uh, a figure that uh, unites Ukrainians, um, gives them a sense of identity. So for, that's one major reason. Um, he's just uh, the individual that is most closely associated with, uh, with the idea of Ukraine, being Ukrainian. But I think also uh, there's other things. Um, Shevchenko broke the, broke, uh, the ice uh, for many Ukrainians in terms of language, in terms of history, in terms of self-identification. Self the language was always viewed as a peasant language, uh, unsophisticated language, a language in which uh, in which you couldn't express finer feelings. Shevchen as soon as Shevchenko's poetry appeared, uh, that was, um, it became clear that that was not the case. Shevchenko was an eye-opener for Ukrainians in terms of understanding and, and uh, appreciating their own language, but also their history. Uh, Shevchenko brought an understanding of the past and a sense of the future a sense of uh, uh, where Ukra Ukrainians were going as a nation. So he celebrated as sort of a, uh, a, a figure who uh, created an, an identity, but also pointed the direction to the future. And so for all these reasons, he's, um, he's sort of the full package for Ukrainians. He, he's he's what, what they can... Uh, um, hang their identity upon, and he become, he's become a major symbolic figure. Speaking of history and those feelings of identity, growing up, or at least during my experience growing up, I was always involved with Taras Shevchenko concerts at Ukrainian school or my elementary school, and after reciting Shevchenko's Zapovit and Dume Moyi countless times and learning about his childhood, there were definitely some things that stay with me today. My question is, why was this such an integral part of our curriculum back then? Well, partly for the reasons uh, that I mentioned, you know, they, I'm sure your instructors wanted you to, uh, to sort of uh, identify with the, the major figure um, in, in their culture. 
but I think also uh, to tempt you to look more deeply into the literature. Uh, one of the things that happens when you have a figure who is a prophet or, or an icon, uh, you don't really analyze icons. You don't really question them. And one of the problems for a great writer like Shevchenko is, it, especially in school curriculums, is people don't read him very carefully. They just sort of accept the image. And that's a disservice because uh, Shevchenko is a great writer. And uh, uh, he, he, um, uh, <coughs> he, he's a writer that you can learn a great deal from and keep learning from. So I think the, the, what, what the teachers try and do is to tempt their students by giving them a few poems that they hope will draw them into um, uh, an appreciation of the, the figure, the writer, and then lead them to, to read more. And Shevchenko, uh, like all icons, like all prophets, he tends to be um, simplified. And, uh, and not read enough, but he's a very complicated, a very interesting poet, a poet of many voices. If you read some of his poems, they're a bit confusing the first time because he shifts voice. He goes, you know, he'll have seven or eight shifts of, of voice, seven or eight different uh, um, narrators come in. And um, uh, I always hope that good teachers, good instructors, encourage their students to see that, to, to, to hear those different voices and see the complexity. Uh, he's, a, he's a great writer. This year, we commemorated 60 years since Taras Shevchenko's passing. Читати і весь час щось нове в ньому знаходити. Кожне покоління щось нове знаходить у Шевченка. Він не є, його не можна вичерпати. Ми бачимо щось сьогодні, ми бачимо щось інакше від того, що люди бачили під час революції 17-го року, під час Другої світової війни і так далі. Я думаю, частинно тому, що сьогодні йде війна. На, на Східній Україні. І Шевченко знову стає символом а, спротиву, символом а, такої а, а, можливості протистоятись нападам. І, і я думаю, що це а, до великої міри допомагає сьогодні людям а, любити і, і шанувати Шевченка. Я знаю, наприклад, що є дуже багато людей на Східній Україні, які вхопилися за Шевченка, почали його читати, саме тому, що як відрух від російської культури, російської, російського вторгнення в Україну, вони раптом зрозуміли, що вони повинні бути українці, вони повинні більше знати про Україну. І як, як краще пізнати, звідки та Україна пішла, як вона була створена, ніж читати Шевченка. І тому він актуальний до сьогодні. 
And what about the others, like Lesya Ukrainka, Ivan Franko, Markov Ovchok? Why do we and why should we continue to learn about them and study their works? Well, for the same reason that you should study the great writers of all uh, literatures, you need to, I mean, cultures are very complex. Histories are very complex. And each great writer is a window into one uh, part of that culture. So if you look at Lesya Ukrinka, you know, it's the, a, a very intelligent, uh, brilliant woman who, um, you know, faced the problems that women face, but also within uh, a complex struggle of identities. And she did it brilliantly. Uh, she's also very interested in the folklore of, of Polizia, her play, um, Forest Song, Lisa is, a, is one of the great works of Ukrainian literature. Markov um, Ovchok, uh, another great writer who really understood Ukrainian folk tales very well and uh, kind of imitated folk tales um, and, and produced uh, like a, a very charming images, very charming stories based on uh, what she had uh, what she had learned from from folklore. So each writer does a does a little bit, uh, unveils a little bit of the puzzle of Ukrainian identity, and so you, there there are ways of uh, exploring uh, Ukrainian history, Ukrainian culture, and the best of the language. For those Ukrainian Canadian students who may not have had the privilege of waking up on Saturday mornings to go to Ukrainian school and learn about the icons of Ukrainian literature. Is it too late for them to learn? What do you recommend they do? You know, it's never too late uh, to learn anything. We're all students all the time. Uh, we, we, nev- we, we can only have a small sliver of knowledge of, of the big picture. And uh, I think uh, you, you have to think of yourself as always learning, always studying, always trying to improve your awareness and, and understanding. So yeah, you can you 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 can begin with one or two poems, and you can continue uh, from there. And in fact, I, I think um, uh, what I said about uh, the, uh, the the knowledge of Ukrainian um, writers as windows, I think it's it's uh, the same for anybody who's studying and uh, any subject. Uh, I would say that today, probably um, uh, non-Ukrainian speakers are luckier than previous generations. We have today a lot of good translations. Uh, Ukrainian literature was initially translated in substantial quantities in Poland, uh, Germany. But now there's a wave of new translations, very good translations of great writers into English. And um, uh, it, there's always a problem with translation because you always lose something, but that's not an excuse for not reading it. I mean, people read the Bible, but they don't know Hebrew uh, and they don't know Greek. However, they get something out of the Bible. So in the same way, you can get something out of uh, translations. And there's some great translations right now appearing 
um, of contemporary writers and of the classics. There's a whole new wave of, uh, of this sort of translated literature. So there's plenty of places to look and begin. Як студенти в університеті або студентські організації можуть відзначати пам'ять Шевченка, Лесі Українку і так далі? Я думаю, що найкраще читати їхні твори або заохочувати людей читати їхні твори. Те, що я сказав про символи, є одне, а друге є заохочувати людей, ну, з повагою, пошаною ставитися до самої творчості. І та творчість дуже цікава. Я би радив почати від, від деяких невеликих творів, але глибше в, в, в заглянути до, до, до цієї творчості. And what about those students who may be of Ukrainian descent, but aren't in touch with their Ukrainian roots? Or maybe students that aren't Ukrainian? How do we engage them in learning about Ukraine's literature that's so deeply tied to our culture and heritage? Well, as I said, translations are a big uh, factor these days. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to look at translations. Um, I think uh, one of the keys, and this is not easy to do, is to look for analogies, look for places where um, one culture uh, hooks up with what's happening in another culture. So, um, you know, I've studied modernism, I've studied the avant-garde, I've studied things like post-colonial theory. Ukrainian culture and the cultural process in Ukraine has a lot to offer in these areas. And uh, other cultures, other other places also have, other literatures also have these, these phenomena, modernism, avant-gardism, post-colonial uh, interests. Um, and I think Ukrainian, Ukrainian culture and literature can find neighbors and can find um, an understanding in, among people who study this, this, uh, this, this, this kind of, uh, use these approaches to study literature. So I think it's a question of just finding connections. And our last question, do you have a favorite Ukrainian writer or poet? Why are they your favorite? Yeah, that's a hard one to answer. Um, I, I think I began, uh, at university I studied English literature, French literature, Russian literature, and then came to Ukrainian literature gradually. And for me, Ukrainian literature was a way of learning, exploring. So each writer that I found gave me a little bit of that culture. In Toronto, when I, when I was a student at Toronto, I was very interested in Mikola Khvilevi. At that time, there was an interest in revolution, the 1917 revolution, the 1920s, the cultural renaissance, the great renaissance of the 1920s. And Khvilevi, I was very excited by him. I, I liked him at the time as a writer. Um, but, you know, uh, that's, that was, understanding Ukraine in the 1920s, understanding Kharkiv. But you can move on and you can look at other writers and other periods uh, and discover other elements of Ukrainian, of Ukrainian culture. Today, for example, I like uh, Serhii Zhadan, who is a contemporary 
a very popular writer. And actually I translated his Depeche Mode, his um, short sort of novel into English. Uh, I was uh, thrilled and uh, that he became a favorite of mine just to understand what happened after 1991. The 1990s is what the book is about. And all these sort of um, uh, youth, lost youth of the 1990s. Uh, he's, he's a great uh, writer to understand that. There are other writers um, that I enjoy very much who tell me about the 1920s in um, Southern Ukraine uh, um, uh, or about the Second World War. Um, there's a very nice writer called um, Dukia Humenna, who wrote a diary during the German occupation of Kiev. That diary was that the diary she turned into a novel uh, and published it in New York. Um, it's uh, it's called Khrushchate Yar, and um, it's a great piece of literature about the German occupation, the Second World War. So you know these these are just uh, writers that interested me. At a, at a particular time in my life when I was looking to, to explore and find out more about a particular place, a particular time, um, and sort of was, was drawn to a certain kind of writing. Uh, I'll, I'll mention another one. This is uh, Storozhenko, Alexa Storozhenko. He's a writer from the 1860s, whom I discovered uh, just by reading around a subject. He's a, a wonderful writer, completely uh, untranslated, unexplored. Uh, so, you know, there's, there are great, great people to, to look at, at and find. These, I just sort of, depending on my mood and depending on what I'm looking for, I find these different writers. Duže děkuji pane Miroslave za rozmovu. Nema zašto, duže prijemno bylo rozmovět. As Pan Miroslav mentioned, there are many ways to stay in touch with Shevchenko and all the other great poets and writers we grew up with. And for those who grew up watching Saturday morning cartoons instead of going to Ukrainian school, it's never too late to learn about your Ukrainian culture and the artists that contributed to its glory. Maybe you can find a happy writer to take your mind off the ongoing pandemic. The time you spend inside could include sifting through books and websites. Translations of poems and epics are available and maybe you can find your own favorite Ukrainian writer. I know I'm about to reread Les Ukrainka's Lisova Pisnia. 10 out of 10 recommended, by the way. Anyways, this has been Alexandra Holik on Student Voice Episode 7, Why Should We Care About Shevchenko? Goodbye, do and au revoir, until next time. <laughs>